You've turned into Sorting Pin, the California Cattlemen's podcast. Every day, the California Cattlemen's Association is sorting through the issues impacting California's ranching families and producers. To communicate those issues, discuss solutions, and keep ranchers current on the hot topics, CCA Leadership has developed this podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with a guy who, if you've purchased cattle in California or have been involved with the industry in the last decade or so, you've probably heard of. Listen now as Matt McFarlane joins me to talk about the fall bull sale run and tells me about some of his journey in the last 20 years of managing sales and marketing for the California Cattlemen Magazine. Thanks for joining us for Sorting Pin, the California Cattlemen podcast. We're here with Matt McFarlane, the Director of Advertising and Marketing with the California Cattlemen Magazine. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Thank you, Katie. It's a pleasure for me to be here. Yeah, it's fun to have you here. I know you're on the road a lot, especially this time of year. So thanks for joining us. Let's jump right in. How has the fall bull sale run been? What have you been up to these past couple of weeks? Um, it's been better than we expected, considering the level of drought we're in and our cow reduction in terms of numbers and lack of replacement heifers that have been kept in the state. Uh, the sale prices have been very good for the bulls that have sold. We haven't sold the volume that we have last year and years past just because the volume of cows are not here. Uh, so getting a volume number of bulls sold has been a little more difficult than years past for that reason. But considering uh, what the calves and, and yearlings uh, brought over the last six, eight months, as well as what cold cow and cold bull market has been, which has been extremely strong, I think that's really had a good influence on a positive side for the bull sales that we've sold so far. So prices have been decent. Producers certainly would like to sell more of their bulls, but they're just, like I said, isn't the volume just because of the drought. That's great that prices are holding. I know things have been a little iffy with people liquidating. Yeah. So that's good to hear. Tell us a little bit about what it's like. So you go on the road starting when? Um, in the fall, I generally start a little, you know, generally around Labor Day. That's when our big first three weeks of September is very busy with sales almost every day uh, up and down the Central Valley of California. Uh, October, November, they do start spreading out to the weekends and into November. And then I will start traveling a little bit up in the Northwest into the Midwest, uh, representing the magazine and M3 marketing uh, as we go into the later fall. And then uh, late January, usually it starts up with Red Bluff Bull Sale. And that kind of kicks off the spring run in late January. And I spend a lot of time on the road in the Northwest, Oregon, Idaho, Washington, Utah, Nevada, uh, even as far back east as South Dakota, Nebraska through the end of March. So that's kind of when I travel quite a bit uh, into the cold parts of the world is in March representing the magazine and uh, as well as doing some sales for M3 marketing. Nice. So we're right at the end of September. So you're kind of halfway through the fall. Yeah. Kind of the big push. Yep. What's kind of been some of the highlights so far, if you can pick one out or kind of a favorite moment from being at the sales so far? Pretty. I mean, it's been pleasantly surprised that we've gotten along as well as we did. Not that I'm not a pessimist, but, you know, going into this fall, I didn't foresee it being as good as we're doing. It could be a lot better, no, no doubt, but I think we're doing really well considering all the, uh, Political climate and, you know, where agricultural sits in California right now is, is um, I mean, I think it's very good, but we definitely, in terms of uh, the fires and, and production agriculture, could use a nice wet winter. You know, everybody's kind of looking forward to that. Who knows what if that's going to happen or not, but the rain is certainly bright and everything. One of the things I really like about California is I think that there is an extremely amount of good registered uh, seed stock producers here that are certainly affiliated on a national level and, and very respected on a national level. And we did sell a bull for 350,000, which is oh you know, one of our highlights of, you know, California. We've, we've, uh, and they're the same outfit, Vintage Angus that sold a bull for 730,000 a couple of years ago. And 
to get the national notoriety and, and some of the bulls that we've sold, Casino Bombers, another bull that comes to mind, he brought 190000 a couple of years ago. It's nice to see the, the level of respect that the rest of the country has given to the California producer. One of the premier producers, just a side note, one of the premier producers um, in the country uh, in Texas, 44 Farms, um, on a national level, it made me proud to be affiliated with California producers and that Two years ago, the first 50 bulls in their catalog were all sired by bulls born and raised in California, which was a huge compliment to the breeders in California that I get to work with every day, considering what they're doing on a national level with Prime Pursuits and Walmart and the fact that the first 50 or so bulls were sired by Casino Bomber, VAR Power Play, Teixeira's Playbook Bull, and... Um, Diablo Deluxe, which is another bull out of California from Diablo Valley Angus. I think the first 40 or 50 bulls were all sired by those four bulls, and all four of those bulls were born and raised in California. So That's to see that, that was pretty cool. I was I was very proud of that, uh, the breeders in California and what they're accomplishing on the purebred side. And commercially, as you know, with your dad, I mean, there's some really good people and commercial breeders that I love working with on a daily basis too out here. So it's always a highlight to get to see them. I mean, I, some of these people I only get to see once a year at a sale that they particularly go to because they're so busy and on the ranch and whatever. So when I get to see some of those people and catch up with them, that's kind of I, the thing I look probably the most forward to is just because I do, I don't see these people every day. And when you get to see them at these sales, it's, it's a, it's a lot of fun to catch up. There, there's so many good people in this industry. Yeah, it definitely makes it worth the travel. That's a really great perspective. I think being in California, we are spoiled probably by the quality of cattle and the quality of sales. Yeah. We don't have a perspective like you do outside. There was a big story on you recently in the California Cattlemen. You're celebrating 20 years in this position with the California Cattlemen magazine and C.B. Ibsen, the editor, pulled one over on you. Yes, she did. She was very, very sly about that. I can't believe even my wife was involved in on it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like she said in the article, I might have nixed the, the article just because I don't need that recognition. But it was certainly humbling to, to hear so many good things said about you. And it, it really made me feel good about what I do and and who I'm doing it for. The article kind of touched on this, but I really just loved what you said in the article about some of the people that have made a big difference in your career, even from the very start. Who have some of those people been? Oh, I'd have to say first and foremost with my dad. He's uh, he's probably my biggest influence in terms of the cattle industry and what he exposed me to and, and how he raised me and where I got a chance to be raised. You know, we're very lucky to be raised in the cattle industry on a ranch. I mean, being no longer on a ranch, you know, you certainly take for granted all the things you get exposed to and the, and the work ethic and and those kind of things that I was raised with with him. So he'd probably be the first and foremost. As you know, I moved through college, I'd say Dr. Dave Daly, who's also a former CCA president, he was my uh, major advisor in college. And he brought me out of uh, uh, my bubble and, and really exposed me to some bigger picture items in my life and, and within the cattle industry that certainly opened my eyes to what goes on other than my little bubble I was living in. And, and I give him all the credit in the world for exposing me to so many good things as I got out of college and started my career because he was definitely a big uh, help in, in getting me to where I am today in terms of my education and, and just getting me out of my comfort zone. He, he was very good at that. Yeah, Dave and is good at that. <laughs> he's very good at that. And as you can see how open-minded he is and how respected he is, not only by cattle people, but by agricultural and the general public in California, especially after that horrific fire that he had to experience and his reaction and how he dealt with it and all the positive that came out of such a huge negative was extremely impressive and made me proud that he was my college professor because he's one I look up to. And then <clears throat> as far as my career goes within actually what I'm doing, I'd say Jerry York, uh, who's a former Western Livestock Journal uh, representative, now lives in Idaho. He's retired. He took me under his wing for the first 10 years of my career within the marketing industry and showed me how to professionally do things and, and really 
taught me a lot on how to deal with people and treat people. And his integrity was impeccable. And he really rubbed off on me in that respect. So I always hold him in high regard. Currently, you know, there's, I feel like I'm getting to be the old man on the block when all these young guys come in and they treat me as a mentor. But I mean, John Dickinson and Jake Parnell both kind of came up with me in this. They're, they're younger than me, but they, they came in right behind me and we kind of worked through this industry together. And I consider them two extremely close friends that that helped me a lot still to this day. We work with each other on a daily basis. And, and you know, we are competitors, but sure, we, we help each other as much as we compete against each other. Because if there's so many different capacities, we can help each other. We kind of take advantage of them because we're also do so many different things. How are you such good friends with Jake and John and others, but yet you guys are competing against each other in a way? I, I, you just got to put the friendship first. I mean, I mean, it's it's a profession and, and it's nothing personal. And, and, you know, we beat each other out for certain, quote unquote, bids on on marketing opportunities. But it's pretty fun few and far between. I mean, and if, if we do happen to compete for one and we, it's like I said, there's usually another capacity that I could help them out if they get one or they help me out. I know, I mean, I'm, Jake's an auctioneer. I hire him to do sales for me and John works with live auctions and also works ring and d- does things that he could assist me with sales that I do and vice versa with the California Cattleman Magazine and the advertising. I work all their sales that they do. So it's kind of a, a, a great relationship because it's not just a cut and dried, but the friendship is what takes precedent. Another couple of people that I want to give credit to would be Johnny Rogers and Rick Machado. They they also took me under their wing when I was younger and, and Rick's only about 10 years older than me, but Johnny's recently retiring from the purebred circuit and I certainly I want to give him his props because those two really, my career wouldn't be what it, where it is without them. And the last two I, or two or three, I'd, I'd say Stevie and Logan Ibsen have become some of my closest friends and, and I work with Stevie obviously with the CCA Magazine on a daily basis and I travel with Logan throughout the year. I stay at their house. I have a second home up there when I'm in the traveling Northwest and Stevie lets me stay with them and their family and their kids are, are wonderful. I love hanging out with our kids and they're good kids and they're a great family. So I want to give them the same props as everybody else. They've really done a lot for me as well. And I consider them family more than just co-workers. They treat me really well. So a whole bunch of good people you just listed there. I think over the last couple years or the last 20 years working with CCA, probably some of the faces have changed, but probably other things have changed too. One thing I wanted to ask you about is has the quality of cattle in California changed? Has it always been this high? You know, there's a lot of things and I hate to, I'll go back to one breed, but the Angus Association is doing probably the best job in terms of dealing with the commercial producer. But um, there's a lot of things that have changed over the years in terms of, you know, back when I started, we barely had EPDs in terms of marketing cattle and finding out the genetic differences between cattle. You know, we were just a stage over just ratios and indexes back then, but now we have so much DNA technology that's involved with with how we develop, how these cattle are uh, evaluated and, you know, the genetic evaluation of the, the genomic value of these cattle is getting measured just as much as their performance and, you know, phenotypic traits that are getting measured. And that has really changed the the quality. I think you look at what they're doing on the retail end and the percent choice and prime you're getting and yield grade, no yield grade fours has really gone up in terms of quality. There's been a bigger separation in terms of the commercial deal between commodity cattle and program and, and genetically superior cattle. People are starting to recognize that more nowadays. I think that's, you know, the feeders want to feed something that's efficient that's going to produce a good product. And, you know, in the last 10 years, they've really come off and, and, and paid a premium for those kind of cattle. But, the, you know, I'd say the genetics have improved. I mean, there's still a need for, you know, very moderate, efficient cattle and, and more, you know, I'd, I'd like to say that 
they're middle of the road cattle. There's still a need from 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 maternal basis to build a cow herd around. But on the retail end, we've certainly made huge strides. And another thing that's really changed in the last ten years, and from my job, and that's marketing purebred cattle, is the dairy industry has really taken a hold of some of these superior genetics, implemented them into their AI programs all over the country, and especially in California, New Mexico, Texas. I mean, there's there's dairies that are AIing to Angus bulls now and yeah. trying to get a half blood steer or whatever to because there's that much more value than a purebred of a Holstein steer. So they're just trying to capitalize on all that value that we've created in the beef industry. And, and you know, people may make a comment that, oh, there's, you know, there's another beef calf on the market that we have to compete against. But I mean, if, if they're having a Holstein steer, we're still having to compete against that as well. It's not like that cow's not going to calve every year. So, and it opens up some huge revenue streams and huge avenues for the, the purebred breeders I get to work with. So we, you know, a lot of them market towards them as well, because, you know, all the terminal indexes, especially because every single thing that that Holstein cow has is going to go into the feedlot, not in the food chain. They're not retaining any maternal. So like the, the terminal end of things has been very receptive by those those breeders and we have one very large cattle producer in california involved in that and he's really just put a huge shot in the arm of to the purebred industry and and the cattle industry as a whole he's trying to create value for all his customers as well so he's really you know he's made a huge impact and there's others in texas and new mexico that have done the same thing that are trying to get these dairies to use uh good beef genetics just so they have a more profitable and more economically feasible product when the when the cow goes into the milk barn she's got a calf that's worth a little more so those are the big things i mean there's obviously in california as cca knows there's we have a lot more unique challenges that are getting worse every day or hard i say worse but they're getting harder to deal with every day with the general public and i think everybody that reads the magazine or any other literature we put out knows what we're dealing with and those challenges are are not going away. They're getting harder to deal with. And it's more important now, I think, to be involved with organizations like CCA to try and battle those because California is so unique in terms of its soil and weather that it, I, there's no way it can't continue to be the number one agricultural state in the in the country. And, and hopefully the general public will soon figure that out before their food gets too expensive. <laughs> yeah. Those are some pretty big changes you listed. Another one is the switch to video sales. That's probably just happened in the last 10 years. How's that? Really yeah, it's you? it's great. When it first came out, I didn't like it. I, I think because there's still a lot of old timers like to look at the bull and make their decisions when they're just looking them in the ring. I, I think those guys are, are getting older and maybe not quite. I, we even had a guy that's 86 years old buy online at a sale recently that's down in uh, Santa Maria or it was that's up awesome. here, but he, he's more computer literate now. And he, he tried, I didn't think he'd be, but I am not against it because it does save some labor for the producers that I work with. It does save some potential harm to a bull or whatever. If he just sits in his pen and you load him out of trailer, he's a little more calmer. You know, you, you don't know when they run through a ring, how they're going to react. And it's a lot less stressful on everybody involved. So I am actually for it and I like it. It's a big change, but you know, it just requires you to do a lot more homework in advance. So the labor's up front, not that day. So I love it. It's it's low stress on the cattle. It's low stress on the crew. And I actually am a proponent of it. Now. Yeah, I think it's a little shocking the first time you go to one. Yeah. But then after you've been to sales and you haven't been to one, you just yeah. kind of forget about it. It's not and, a big deal. And we were a little slow out here on the left. We call it the left coast. <laughs> on the West Coast, um, <laughs> you know, the Midwest have been doing it for probably five to eight years before that. And, you know, a lot of guys that from the Midwest that came out here that saw we saw live sales are a little surprised. So I think 75% of the Midwest sales now are probably all on video. So you've touched on it a little bit, but in addition to advertising, um, you do manage sales. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite part about doing that? I like working with the people. That's the biggest thing. The people I get to work with are some of the best people in the country, in my opinion. I mean, they're just quality people that 
you know, raise good product. They're honest. They have a lot of integrity. And, and I enjoy working with those people that do that, you know, do things straight up and honestly and, and they're fun to work with. And I, I'm like they are in that every year, every stage of the cycle when a calf's born all the way till you market him, that whole stage, that six, eight, about 10 months, however long it is, when it depending on the age of the cattle that you market. I like seeing the development and the genetics and the decisions you made two years ago when you decided to buy that semen, breed that cow. She hits the, the calf hits the ground. That anticipation, that excitement is like renewed every year with me when I get to go see a new set of bulls in a, in a feedlot and I'm building a catalog and just seeing the improvements that they've made or the adjustments they've made over the years and, and evaluating the cattle and talking numbers, talking pedigrees. Um, those are things that I just love to do. I mean, I could go look at cattle on a ranch with somebody every day if that was allowed just because i enjoy the cattle so much and the anticipation and excitement of every new calf crop is is something i never you know i have a few cows of my own now and it's still something i just look forward to the, the genetic decisions you made to see if you made the right one or not and i get to do that with everybody that i work with when i'm putting a sale cattle or sale together and, and working on sale cattle i get get, get that same anticipation versus last year of what they're going to look like how they're going to perform how they're going to scan how they're going to whatever how they're going to sell knowing all of that what is the best advice that you could give producers, maybe if they're going out at the end of this fall to buy a bull or next spring when they go out to these sales? One thing, and this goes back to Dave Daly, he told me this college, if you like the people, you don't really need to look at the cattle. He's, you know, he always told me that when I was in college and it just stems if you think the people have integrity and honesty and they're not telling you what you want to hear, they're telling you what they know and what they believe. You don't need to look at the cattle, but that's the thing that I strive to tell people is, you know, go to a program that you trust and that you like and that's producing what you want. I mean, if, if you got lots of options and opportunities out there and if you see uh, or like something in particular and you go to a sale and they don't have it, then, then don't buy it. I know that some people click and some people don't. So I would say get to know the people first, contact them, spend some time with them, ask them a lot of questions about their program, what direction they're going genetically and how their cattle are raised, if they're raised in the environment you like them raised in, if they're similar to yours, just find something that works for you and just do your due diligence and your homework and find the programs that uh, represent the same kind of things you you want in your commercial program. Price is always an issue. <laughs> you know, you always, they always want to get as cheap as possible, but, you know, you also got to look at that and, and what economically works for you, What whether you can afford to, you know, buy a $15,000 bull and collect his semen and breed all your cows to him, or if you need $2,500 to $3,500 bulls to do the same job. You know, it's, it just depends on what your needs are and what your program needs. And So you got 20 years down. What do you think the future of the cattle business looks like? I don't know if you'll be with CCA the next 20 years, but what would you project? Well, with the current drought and our liquidation of cows, I mean, if we ever do get a wet winter, strap your hats on because it's going to get western. There's going to be a lot. Of, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of opportunity. I mean, the, the female deal could go nuts. I mean, it just depends on the weather. I mean, Mother Nature kind of rules whatever my predictions are. I mean, if we have a nice wet winter or wet spring and um, this thing could go through, you know, through all these droughts, you know, the feeder and stocker market have not really waned. I mean, there's been some lulls. Uh, throughout the year, which are typical for every sure, year. Yeah. Light cattle are still bringing a bunch. People are very optimistic that bought all the light cattle that are getting delivered in November, December, January, and feeders still need cattle to put in the feedlot. So it's it's been our last videos, uh, you know, all the company, video companies that are selling cattle have all had really, really good sales since last May. So I don't see it slowing down too much. And, and considering how many females they took out of production on the West Coast, I, when it does get a little wet, it could get really good. I mean, people could be back in a really good situation, those that are hold on. I mean, so that's, I don't have a crystal ball. I mean, I don't know 
if I had a crystal ball, I'd be a weatherman, you know? <laughs> yeah. If you had a but, crystal ball, you probably wouldn't be sitting with me in this office. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I, like I said, the people are some of the best people I get to, in any aspect of any industry. The people I get to work with are really optimistic. Um, they're determined. They're, they're very resilient. I don't see a lot of quit in them. You know, there's not too many people that just say, oh, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm done with doing this. So they'll do what they can to survive. And, and I, I love that about the the grittiness and the determination of the people that are involved in the cattle industry and and the optimism. Um, you know, I just I enjoy that part of it, and I think that uh, as we move forward, there is a ton of pressure on them in many respects. And like I said earlier on, the the, the fact that you're you have an organization like California Cattlemen's Association out there dealing with the, all those pressures on you for the most part and trying to help you get through those is paramount in your success. So I, I like I, I don't want to sound like a CCA homer, but I, I, I see too much good, even for the non-members. Just because they're paying your dues doesn't mean that whatever CCA is working on doesn't affect you if you're not paying your dues. I mean, it's still going to be benefiting you whether you're paying your dues or not. So why not do your fair share and pay your dues? Because uh, I, I think regardless if you're a member or not, whatever they're working on is going to benefit you as a cattle producer. And I, th- I think that'd be very hard to argue with. <laughs> I'm a big advocate and and try to get as many people to join as possible because it is such a great organization. I wouldn't be still represented for 20 years, you know. Thank you, Matt. And we appreciate all you do for CCA helping us out. Uh, one last question I have for you. Do you have a favorite moment or a funny moment or just a moment that kind of stands out to you from your last 20 years with CCA? I don't know. I, I'm very lucky in that I have a very supportive wife who she's not from the cattle business, but she's learned it in a very short period of time and she loves it. She told me we first met and started dating and I was traveling. She's like, man, you, you're like a member of a fraternity. You guys are like all together all the time. And you, the guys that I travel with and work with every day, the, you know, the, the auctioneers and the other field staff that for the breed associations and for Western Light, all you know, all the guys I get to travel with, we're constantly in contact with each other. Whether it's a funny text or I mean, we're, we got group text, we got ten different group texts going on. It's it's a lot of fun, and that is uh, something that I I really enjoy. Just as far as uh, what over the last twenty years, the fact that I get to, I get a chance to travel with those guys, and it really doesn't seem like work. You know, they they're a lot of fun to travel with. With that said, a funny movement, there is too many to, to mention because we have played so many tricks on each other and, and practical jokes over the years that it's just, uh, we, and, it, and we're always trying to find a new way to get somebody. But we got Jared Patterson good, pretty good last year. He's the regional manager for the Angus Association up in the Northwest at the Red Bluff Bull Sale last <laughs> year. And Logan and I pulled a very cruel joke on him and that we had the uh, that current Red Bluff Bull Sale manager call him and and send him an email that I crafted and she sent it on her behalf to him to uh, tell him that he hadn't done something right and he was stressing out to beat no end and and Logan and I had to let him off the hook but that was probably as bad a a hard a practical joke as I played in quite a while and that's the most recent one so that's the only one I bring it up but uh, Jared and, and Logan and I are all good friends and we do that kind of stuff to each other on a regular basis so so if you're listening and you see jared be sure to bring it up and ask it about it <laughs> oh he'll, he'll, i'm sure he'll tell you but i mean stuff like that ha- has happened for 20 years and i'm sure it'll happen as long as i'm involved in the industry we it's just there's so much laughter and camaraderie and fun with the guys that i get to travel with it it's just you got to stay on your toes, but at the same time, we never stop laughing. It's it's that's probably why I enjoy it so much. My job so much is because we do get to to travel with you know some of my best friends that I'll ever have, and uh, we get to be on the road together, and it makes it a lot more fun and a lot more doable when you're traveling that much and being gone from home that much that you're at least with somebody that you know you you're, you consider one of your close friends. So. 
Well, Matt, it's been a pleasure having you. I appreciate the opportunity to come talk to you. And uh, if you ever have any questions about CCA or the magazine, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. If you do see me, I'd be happy to talk to you. Thanks, Matt. Always a pleasure. All right. Thanks, Katie. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Sorting Pin. If you see Matt at a sale or another event this fall, be sure to say hi and tell him that you heard him on the podcast. Have someone else you'd like to hear on the podcast or a suggestion for a future topic? Let us know. Send me an email or call the office at 916-444-0845. Tune into our next few episodes as we talk about price discovery and cattle markets, talk about the Dixie Fire and opportunities for change, plus a special episode recapping the legislative session as the deadline for Governor Newsom to sign legislation is October 10th. Talk to you soon.